Millennia ago, from the little cave on the tiny island of Patmos in the Aegean Sea, the heavens opened. Since then, the world has been fascinated by the cosmic upheaval brewing on the horizon of history. The upheaval is now upon us. It is within us. To some degree, it always has been. But there has been a sudden and violent shift in the affairs of the world. The winds have changed. Heaven will not be silent. Let's now join Father Anthony Bush, pastor of St. Stanislaus Koska, the Sanctuary of the Divine Mercy in Chicago, and author of A Mother's Plea, For the Winds Have Changed. Together we can Together pave the way for a hopeful response to the signs of our times. Good afternoon and welcome to the Winds of Change. My name is David Carollo and I'm sitting in today for Father Anthony. It's noontime, so let's start with the Angelus if we can. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, And she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And a word was made flesh. And dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So welcome, everybody. You know, I always uh, have said many times that... Um, this is the, our Catholic prayer to say the Angelus at 6 noon and 6 p.m. and uh, three times a day. And I, I've, I've often mentioned that I've uh, traveled to the Mideast, particularly on both, uh, say, like on Israeli airlines and also on uh, Royal Jordanian Airlines and to Oman uh, a number of times. And um, I was always impressed that, you know, I, when you would travel on the, particularly on the, uh, the airlines of the countries that were Muslim, they always had a, uh, and on the teleprompter, which, which gave you the, the map, uh, the, your flight map, they always had an arrow pointing, and it would move as the flight went along, and that was always aimed at Mecca, where they would, they would pray five times a day, and on that flight, 14, 15 hours, they would pray a number of times. And I said, it would always be nice maybe if on Air France and Alitalia and all the airlines of the, of the at least formerly Catholic countries, we did the same thing. We're nice. We all got up and said the angels on the way over to Paris or to Rome or something like that. It's just, but you know, maybe those days will have to come again. I think if we're going to, if we're going to re-evangelize the world and make it what it needs to be, what it should be, um, this is part of what we want to see. Anyway, uh, for those of you who don't know me, I am the executive director of the World Deposit of Fatima, Our Lady's Blue Army, and Blue Army uh, World Deposit USA. And I'm always very honored to sit in here for Father Anthony, a dear friend, and 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 uh, always uh, it's always great to be part of this. Um, I um, 
We are located throughout. We, I, I actually run the Apostolate in New Jersey, in, uh, in Washington, New Jersey. We're located in western Jersey, around 50 miles straight west of New York, about 14 miles from the Pennsylvania border, and you get into the foothills of the Poconos, a beautiful place. And, and for anybody who gets out, uh, there is some time to, to see our beautiful shrine. Um, we just came off some beautiful events. The, um, uh, the 13th, we celebrate the six anniversary dates of the Fatima apparitions from May, June, July, August, September, and October every year. And here on July 13th, we had a very special day. It was, it was actually preceded by the weekend of Eucharistic reparation, which we hold every year. Uh, and then on uh, the 13th, on Tuesday, we were honored to welcome His Eminence uh, Cardinal Burke as the main celebrant for the, uh, the events of the day. So it was a very special time. And I think that we must have done something well because we've been hit left and right. I think we had lightning hit, um, blew out our well system at the shrine. We had our, uh, our phone system get zapped. So I think uh, my dear friend, the late Father Andrew Apostoli always said, and this was his quote to me, he said, Dave, the devil doesn't shoot at decoys. And so I guess we were we were we were at, we were the target for those days, a lot of things, but many many graces and blessings I think came to us through those few days. And and you know the the apparitions of Fatima, uh, of course we all know a little bit, or some of I guess I'm supposed to know more because that's my my position. And the message of Fatima when Our Lady appeared to the three shepherd children was to bring this message of warning and of hope. And truly of hope. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to get caught up in the end of the world mentality that is so prevalent right now out there. Everybody believes that we're we're in these end times. Well, I don't know. I my mother always said, just be in a state of grace and don't get too worried about whether you're in the end times or not. You know, your your end time could come at any point. So I think we just have to always realize that we're not made for this world, and we are made to uh, bring. Bring faith. I mean, whether we're, and not just that's not for religious. It's for all of us. It's for it's for people in the clergy and the laity. We need to work together to bring about you know the the, the resanctification of our culture today, which has gotten so far away from uh, from the realities of of who we are. And that's what the Fatima message is all about. And uh, uh, I am going to talk a little little bit as we come a little farther forward with my guest about that about the the apparitions of Fatima. Uh, the, um, uh, the, the particularly the apparition of July, which was probably the most telling, or the, maybe other than the, the October apparition with the miracle of the sun. But, but from a standpoint of what the mission was all about, I believe the July apparition was um, was it was very very telling. Uh, today we're celebrating the feast of Saint Bonaventure and uh, Bishop and Doctor, and uh, uh, you know he was known as a seraphic doctor. Born in uh, Bonareggio in Lazio in the region of central Italy, uh, I know you area very well, received the name Bonaventure, Bonaventure, excuse me, in consequence of an exclamation of St. Francis of Assisi when, in response to the pleading of the child's mother, the saint prayed for John's recovery from a dangerous illness and foreseeing the future greatness of the little John, cried out, Oh, Bonaventura, good fortune. So that's where his name came from. <laughs> At the age of 22, St. Bonaventure entered the Franciscan order. Having made his vows, he was sent to Paris to complete his studies under the celebrated Dr. Alexander of Hales, an Englishman and a Franciscan. After the latter's death, he continued his course under his successor, John of Rochelle, in Paris. He became the intimate friend of the great St. Thomas Aquinas, he received a degree of doctor together with St. Thomas Aquinas, ceding to his friend against the latter's inclination, the honor of having it first conferred upon him. 
Like St. Thomas Aquinas, he enjoyed the friendship of the Holy King, St. Louis. At the age of 35, he was chosen general of his order and restored a perfect calm where peace had been disturbed by internal dissensions. Internal dissensions, I never hear about that much in many places, but <laughs> I guess it's everywhere we go. And it was back then, too. He did much for his order and composed the life of St. Francis. He also assisted at the translation of the relics of St. Anthony of Padua. He was nominated Archbishop of York by Pope Clement IV, but he begged not to be forced to accept that dignity. Gregory X obliged him to take upon himself a greater one, that of Cardinal and Bishop of Albano, one of the six suffragan sees of Rome. Before his death, he abdicated his office of General of the Franciscan Order. He died while he was assisting at the Second Council of Lyon on July 15th of 1274. So we have these great, uh, you know, I, I, we, we think about all the disruption going on in the church and in society today. and. Uh, it's nothing new. <laughs> this has been going on forever, and it will. It started in the in the garden, and it will continue until the last person on earth takes their last breath. Because because we're fighting we're fighting the fight of all times, and that is for salvation of ourselves primarily, certainly first and foremost, and then for others. And uh, that is what the Fatima message is all about. It teaches us the um, to be warriors for the faith. And uh, as the Fatima children were asked, are you willing to offer your lives? in prayer and reparation for the conversion of sinners. So I have, uh, I have a, a, a longtime friend and a guest here with me today. Father Joshua Caswell is joining me here in the studio and um, uh, we're here to talk about a number of things. Obviously, the Fatima message about, about the, the work in the archdiocese. Uh, Father is the, um, the pastor of St. John Cantius Parish. And the um, and the superior of the of the order, the canons regular of Saint John Cantius, and um, but also very tied now with this special place, uh, Saint Stan Casca, the the uh, you know the the uh, sanctuary of Divine Mercy, where the canons are are very much involved with Father Anthony and will and, and are moving into more of a role uh, with the consolidation of parishes. So welcome, Father Joshua. Great to have you. Thank you. It's such a great joy to be uh, back again. Yeah. I've enjoyed being on the Winds of Change a couple of times. We've talked over great projects, processions, and Our Lady over the years, and it's always great to be with you, Dave. You are a great friend, and I've known you and your wife, Dorothy, for many years from way before my ordination when I first joined the Order. So right. yeah. it's a great joy to be on. And to talk about Our, Our Lady's message. Yeah, well, and, and it is, and, and it's Our Lady's message, and, and of course, the mission of St. John Cantius. I, I, we were many year parishioners there. Uh, now, of course, located mostly in New Jersey, but um, uh, but it's still it's still a home. And St. Stan Casca is very much a home for us. Uh, Father Anthony. I mean, I've been always been just honored to be part of that parish, uh, this well, this parish, I say, and 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 the beautiful work. Um, that really is done here, the perpetual adoration. I mean, so many things that we need in our society that the city is just dying for. Right. We and need it. We need it's it. It's really so evident. You know, when most parishes struggled during the last year, St. Stanislaus really, really kept their doors open. They never closed them, and they kept their doors open. And I think God, God blessed that. You know, Father Anthony's faithfulness to, to the parish, his faithfulness to keeping the sacraments available. And he, we saw... You know, our priests would offer the, the weekday masses, and we saw the, that communion rail would just be filled every single weekday, and the confession. So our priests talk about how many people are flocking to uh, St. Stanislaus' sanctuary of the, of the Divine Mercy. And I really think it has a bright future. And I don't know where Father Tony gets his energy, but 
boy, he looks he looks great the, these days, and, and what he's doing with mm. all the renovations, the, the restorations, the beautiful uh, paintings being restored, the church is looking more beautiful than ever, and I really think the church has a really prophetic role in the city of Chicago. You know, it's a historic parish. It was one of the, it was the basically the founding parish of this whole Polish diaspora. So the founding, I think as many as 15 churches sort of spawned off of St. Stanislaus Kosk, which was the mother church. Uh, so it's, you know, from before the Chicago fire, this amazing, um, this, this amazing edifice, which is, but I think there is an anointing there, which God is going to continue to use. And uh, we are so happy the Canons Regular is so honored to be able to assist Father Tony. We want to do everything we can to make sure that a church stays open, that there's 24-hour adoration, and that we offer those confessions that it really is a place where divine mercy is felt and realized. You know, Father Anthony is, again, a, a longtime friend, and I, always, I love his attitude. I mean, he's struggling with health issues for so many years here, but it hasn't slowed him down. I mean, he goes on and on with initiatives and all that, and I think he's very happy when this consolidation of the churches came forward that they that this uh, um, you know you, 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 I'll let have you address more about that but but the renewal renew my church grouping and when I was hearing that you know uh, Holy Trinity and St. Stan Casca and St. John Cancer put into this one grouping I, I it was it was beautiful you know that, that parish as you talk about the ethnic backgrounds you know my, my mother-in-law was born in Poland, and as is my wife, because she came as a young girl. But my mother-in-law to this day is a parishioner of St. Stan, because that is where she she has Polish mass, and she just, and, and she speaks English. It's not, but it, it is something for her. It is the tradition of that parish, and so many immigrant people came in to that area, and St. Stan's was as as was St. John Cantius, and still is Holy Trinity, but but they came. And what I, what I love, Holy Trinity, I guess, is remain more of a Polish parish, okay? Where, where St. Stan's and even St. John's, you know, they were the nice transitional parishes for the Polish people, you know, who are coming in and assimilating and raising their children now as Americans, just like I grew up on the south side of Chicago, and we were at St. Anthony of Padua, which is the Italian parish, and the Scalabrini Fathers, who's, who were formed as the, the order was formed to come to the New World and to immigrate, or to immigrate to the New World and, and minister to the Italian immigrants. Okay, well, the, well, the Congregation of Resurrection has a very similar founding to, you know, for the um, for the Polish immigrants, and I, I think that's that is the, the really the key. I mean, and and it's nice to see that those traditions are still upheld. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think what's going on in that particular in this particular area of Chicago where you have, you know, it's been one of the most changed areas of the city, but it's, I think it's going to be one of the most pr profitable. And so we've seen the area go from, um, you know, there was 200,000 immigrant Poles who came to that area, this area of Chicago, uh, known as the Polish Patch. And to go from that to the 1960s when that Kennedy Expressway cut right through, and as we know, almost decimated uh, St. Stanislaus Koska, and has really destroyed so many homes. But now uh, the you know the upscale neighborhood people coming in and there's such an opportunity. There are ten thousand people within one square mile of Saint Stanislaus and Saint John Cantus, and I think that that area is ripe for a new beginning and a new you know these people want the gospel. So something tremendous happened when um, you know Cardinal Supic was discerning how best to group parishes, and he decided that Saint Stanislaus Koska. Uh, St. John Cantius and Holy Trinity would be able to come together in this grouping. But the amazing thing is Father Anthony's foresight, because he knew 
that these three parishes were special and it all began on May 13th, 2017. We had this glorious procession from St. John Cantus Parish. I would say 4,000, 5,000 people. We came across a Milwaukee Avenue onto Noble Street. It was incredible. We even held up the um, Kennedy Expressway on-ramp. And in that procession, we took the Blessed Virgin past, right past the doors of Holy Trinity where a choir sang and they joined us. And then we went into the sanctuary of St. Stanislaus Koska and we filled that, that church. That night, Father Tony from the pulpit, on May 13th, 2017, he says, I believe this is Our Lady's Triangle. These three parishes are special in a way. And I really felt there was something true. And so when the Cardinal grouped these three parishes together uh, to share our, our, our mission, we realized that the only name we could take was Our Lady's Triangle. Now, the amazing thing is most parishes in the Archdiocese took names, you have to take geographic names like um, Edgewater or um, Racine or Logan Square. But we were the only one that actually took a religious name and they, and they yeah. let it go. So this, um, this Our Lady's Triangle was... Uh, it was just an, an amazing thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, I want to talk more about that. We have to take a break right now, but when we come back, Father, I'd like to continue on that whole thing and what the plans are, how, how the canons, you know, as well as working with Father Anthony, the people of St. Stan's, what you see for the future. So uh, we need to take a break right now. My name is David Carollo. I'm sitting in today for Father Anthony on listener-supported Winds of Change, AM 750 WNDZ. St. Stanislaus Koska Academy. St. Stan's is an exceptional private elementary school in Chicago, serving preschool, age three and four, pre-kindergarten, kindergarten, and first grades. We incorporate Catholic values and rigorous academic social-emotional learning, Chinese, Spanish, STEM, and more, providing our students with leadership and life skills to transform our world. St. Stanislaus Koska Academy is conveniently located one block north of Division on Noble, just off the Kennedy Expressway. To schedule your tour, visit ststanschicago.org. ststanschicago.org. We are the students of St. Stanislaus Koska Academy. Your children can join them for face-to-face -face classroom instruction. It's not too late to register for the 2021-2022 school year at St. Stan's. Seats are limited. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 773-278-4560. 773-278-4560. And you're listening to the Winds of Change. Here's some good news. We are pleased to announce that... St. Stanislaus Koska is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, in answer to our Blessed Mother's call to open the doors. The Blessed Sacrament will again be exposed all day, every day, except when Masses or other services are being held. You are invited to come and pray anytime, day or night. For your safety, we ask that you practice social distancing and wear a mask. Hand sanitizer is available and St. Stan's has increased cleaning and sanitizing of the church, and a security person will be on site. More information can be found at ststanschurch.org. That's ststanschurch.org. St. Stanislaus Koska is located two blocks north of Division on Noble, just off the Kennedy Expressway. 
Welcome back. David Carolla sitting in today for Father Anthony on Winds of Change. Uh, great to be here again, and uh, and I have my guest, Father Joshua Caswell, here with me. Uh, Father, of course, is the uh, superior of the Canons Regular of St. John Cantius, as well as the pastor of St. John's, and part of this now association of the parishes. And we've been talking about uh, the the you know the, the grouping of the churches and how I, this the, these three parishes coming together. I just found it thrilling because, uh, again, being mostly in New Jersey now, when I do come home, I do find my homes at, at St. John Cantius and at St. Stancosca. I mean, I'm always at, you know, one of the two. I love to stop. I come down the expressway, and if I'm coming down the Kennedy Expressway, it's almost like it's a magnetic thing to pull me off the expressway at Division Street, so I will stop in and pay a visit to the Blessed Sacrament in there. That's the most beautiful thing, and I think it reminds me of the of the poster that was up there for some time. I don't know if it's up right now. I haven't looked, uh, where it says, if this parish can move an expressway, it can move you. And I think that's really true, you know. And so the beautiful work that, uh, that that Father Anthony and everybody else has done around there, and uh, and you know, I, I really do think that that you know the future is bright. I, I touched earlier on, you know, uh, I mean, we we talk about the, um, uh, the 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 things like the message of Fatima, and I always want to say that Fatima is a message of hope. And it is a message of hope. It truly is, because God wouldn't give it to us if there was no hope. Um, We have very much a pessimistic attitude out there right now. I think that many people who think, hey, we're making a lot of progress in in, in pro-life issues and all this, they feel tremendous setback right now. But setbacks are part of any struggle. And we have to realize that, okay? And that we have to redouble our efforts to fight more. And we fight primarily by prayer, okay? Because, you know... You know, prayer moves mountains because prayer moves God. Now you can't just pray; you have to you have to pray to get the inspiration to do the right things, to do the proper things, and 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 primarily though through prayer you bring about, hopefully, uh, the conversion again the Fatima message, the conversion of sinners, the conversion putting the the consciousness in the minds of people that they need to act and act differently. And so when I hear people, you know, criticize the politicians, and I do as much as anybody, don't get me wrong, and, and, and they, they criticize our priests and bishops, and okay, well, I, and, and some of it's very warranted, I will not argue that, but do you pray for them? And I, I go back to the, the statement of the Curie of ours that there's no such thing as a bad priest, just one that hasn't been prayed for enough, okay? so. Pray for them. That's what our apostolate's all about. And if you go to our website, bluearmy.com, you know, you, you know, sign up, become part of, uh, of our effort. And our effort, you know, is what to bring the Fatima message, you know, to the world. And the Fatima message is a message. It's it's the gospel message. There's really nothing there that isn't already in the gospels. There's nothing in there that hasn't been taught by the church for you know two thousand years. Yes, there's certain warnings. But if you don't put the hope in there, you've lost the whole idea of it. And these people who get lost in it, I mean, you know, yes, you know, July 13th apparition of Fatima was was extremely telling. I, I say it's when they really received their mission. You know, they were Our Lady appeared to them on May 13th, introduced herself. June 13th came and, and established herself as the Immaculate Heart, but just reinforced them. But it was on July 13th that they were given their mission. And that's when that, that horrible vision of hell was shown to them. And, and, and the vision of hell was not shown to them to scare them, was not shown, although it did, but it was, it was to show them that this is your mission. You know, 
you've seen hell where, where the souls of poor sinners go. Are you willing to offer your lives in prayer and reparation so that people will avoid that fate? People are there, she said, because there's no one to pray and make sacrifices for them. Pretty sad. Yeah, really. Isn't and, it? About, yeah. But she didn't just show them, of course, this vision, which was despairing and frightful, but she gave them a remedy, right? Exactly. And so it's always a remedy. It was the July 13th apparition that we learned. Uh, we learned two beautiful prayers, which are really should be on our lips every single day. And the first one is the one we pray at the end of every decade of the rosary. It's that, that, it's that prayer. Yeah. Oh, my Jesus, forgive us our sins. Save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those most in need of thine mercy. Yeah. So really, Mary is saying to the, to, to the children, yes, here is hell where the souls of poor sinners go, but here is what, is what we can do. Yeah. And, and really, isn't that Christian charity? Yeah. She also told them about making reparation, making sacrifices. And so, you know, she taught them that beautiful prayer. When you make sacrifices, say often, oh, Jesus, it is for love of you. And in, in, in reparation, to the Immaculate Heart of Mary for the conversion of poor sinners that I offer the sacrifice. And that's something that each one of us can do no matter our circumstances. You could be stuck in traffic on the Kennedy Expressway. You could be in the hospital. You could be wherever, some suffering, but no matter what, you are able to make a sacrifice which can benefit sinners. And if it's done out of love, it's, it's a beautiful offering for Our Lady. Yeah, and that's exactly it. I mean, we offer our lives to Our Lady. You know, the Fatima message is unique from other Marian apparitions insofar as it's, 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 it's very much defined by devotion to the Immaculate Heart. You know, and throughout, you know, throughout history, the writings of the Gospel of St. Luke, and Mary kept these things in her heart. And, and, and a whole a part of the Fatima message is to, for us to get into that heart of Mary, you know, the mindset of God, the heart of Mary, you know, because, because again, you know, she was a young girl when the, when the angel came to her and, and gave her this mission, okay? Did she fully understand it? Well, I mean, she was free from sin. I'm sure she had an internal understanding beyond maybe what we ever could have. But I don't think, you know, the, intellectually, did she understand the, uh, the degree of this mission? Maybe, maybe not, but certainly she, she understood a need to accept it and, to, and what it was going to lead to it was going to bring, bring about the salvation of the world. You know? Think about the horrible thing. What if she had said no? <laughs> Where would we be today? You know? I mean, it, you have to look at it that way. And, and that's why we owe so much to her. And, and, and not, we owe it to her in, in, in a number of ways. Primarily, we have to look to her okay and 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 follow what she's saying and asking of us because because she's leading us okay and that's why why the uh, the writings of st louis to montfort for example where you give every you put yourself you give yourself to mary let her decide you know let, let her direct you accordingly you don't you don't give up your your independence you don't give up your um uh, uh, you, you know you're not giving up your life but what you are giving up is that that independence to some degree, to, to, to act only by your own thoughts and by your own directives. You know, and I think that's really what, what Our Lady is asking. Just come she, to me and I'll show she you. She wants us to trust her. She says, you know, my immaculate heart will be your refuge and your way to God. Yeah. You know, there is nothing that we are dealing with where we cannot trust her. You know, she's a mother who has, she has concern. She has solicitousness for for sinners, for people who are wandering, and she wants to bring them back. You know, many of you maybe have family members or relatives who are struggling 
uh, with maybe being far from the church and your heart breaks for them, you know, surrender them to Mary, surrender them to her immaculate heart, you know, and that's the whole thing about us entrusting ourselves to Mary is, is she's, she's going to, she wants us to get to heaven more than we want to get there. Yeah. And so let's, let's, let's trust her with that mission. Yeah, well, she understands what heaven truly is and she understands what hell is. She understands the horror of sin. And I think that's why, you know, does Mary come and they say, Our Lady was sad. Well, she's never sad. She can't be sad. She's, she, she's at the highest place in heaven. So she's, I guarantee she's not sad in, the, in that way. But she is certainly, she has a sadness reflected because she sees what we are missing and what we could have and should have by our, our heritage, you know. And I, and I think that's where what, what is the sadness that you see in Mary is, 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 Truly, it is a it truly is a sadness that you know people are not accepting what God wants. Okay, we're not obeying His commands. It's so simple, you know. And I think you know when you think of like the act of contrition and you say, I, "I detest my sins because I dread the loss of heaven," you know, and the pains of hell. But most of all, because they offend Thee, my God. And I think when you come to the point where the fear of punishment, which is valid and important, and it can get you to heaven, I'm sure. But it's that it's that I want to please God, not because I'm afraid of what's going to happen to me, but he's all goodness, and, and, and I need to come to that point. I think that's what she tries to lead us to. Exactly. You know, Dave, I wanted to share this beautiful illustration on this point. You know, we can uh, fear we can fear God in the, in the wrong sense, or we can fear God in the right sense. And I think this is, one is called filial fear, and the other is called servile fear. So one is like the, the, the fear that a slave has to its master. And the other is the kind of fear that a son has to, to a father. And Mary wants us to be in that state where we we fear offending God because we know how good he is. We know how good he is to us. And that's what we say, yeah, most of all, because you are so good. And so there's this illustration, this beautiful story of two young boys and they are roughhousing or playing in, in a house. And their father is away at work. And the two boys, they break one of these beautiful crystal lamps. They're, they knock it off the counter, it falls onto the floor and it breaks. And just at that moment, they hear their father coming up the steps. And you can imagine, if you've ever been there, uh, you hear your father coming, you've done some, something bad. So one boy, he runs upstairs and he hides under the bed and he's afraid of his father for, for punishment. The other boy, as soon as the father opens the door, runs into the arms of his father and begins to cry. That is the fear that we need to have. It is the fear of, it's the fear of saying, you know what, Lord? I've sinned, but I'm running to your arms, and I'm sorry. And I think that illustrates, you know, yeah. what what our what what Mary wants, to, how she wants to shape our, our heart. Yeah. You know, getting to heaven doesn't have to be arduous; it can be easy. You know, and uh, and Mary wants it to be easy. And as we if we follow her, if we entrust her, if we look at her immaculate heart, we're going to find a real refuge in the chaos of this world. So, yeah. well, I think that's it. I think you look at the greatest saints and 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 how they they. Had a, a joy. I always, I always looked at you know Saint Lawrence and his famous line. You know, you could turn me over when he was being burned at the stake. You can turn me over now. I'm done on this side. I mean, you know, humor <laughs> at the time of your execution. But I think that shows you how he was communing with God. He knew he was just moments away from that eternal bliss. And you know, as, as painful and everything he was, he was able to say something like. And I think that is is really I think how we have we have to think like. Like the martyrs, like the saints, and you know they they are martyrs. You know they say, well, 
okay, so if somebody is martyred, they go directly to heaven. We've always been taught that, and it's true. Why? Because they've totally abandoned themselves to God at that point. Okay, By doing that, they've entered heaven. I think that's what purgatory is all about, a period where you, cl you come closer and closer to abandoning your, yourself to God. You know, and, I, and very few of us escape purgatory. I'm afraid, if you know, if uh, but yeah. it is what it is. I mean, we have to we have to work for, it. but we work for the salvation of souls. You know, and I think when you know, you talk about uh, again here we're at the the, the uh, sanctuary of divine mercy, and I think again about you know the children of Fatima saw a vision of hell. Well, Saint Faustina saw a vision of hell, and hers was very much more profound or or in, you know involved. And I think because she was an adult, you know. But she talks about the things in, in there, you know, the loss of God, the perpetual remorse of conscience of these people, the one's condition will never change, the eternal nature of it, you know, the spiritual fire that penetrates the soul without destroying it, a continuous dark and horrible smell and the constant presence of the devil, and hatred of God. Now think about that, hatred of God and all kinds of vile and blasphemous words uttered against him. Well, so, you know, we're talking about getting to a point of doing things for love of God, and now they're at a point of constant hatred of God. And so, you know, it is that saying, you know, the closer you are to God, there is peace and serenity, and the farther away you get, there is hatred and chaos. And sadly, that's what we, you know, what people suffering eternally are going through. So, you know, we have to pray for the salvation. We pray for everybody. I was always taught, though, somebody dies, you pray for them, is if they're in purgatory. You have no idea. You don't know if somebody's in heaven, they don't need your prayers. If sadly someone is in hell, they can't use your prayers, but they'll be used for someone else. But always pray as if everybody. And you, know, you can pray for people who, even if they're dead, you pray for their salvation because prayers, you know, we, we live in time, but time doesn't, even, doesn't exist in eternity. And we pray even after the fact for somebody, might be the grace they needed before to make that last act of contrition or whatever. We don't know. And, you know, and I, I truly believe that when we get, and I've been told this many times, if we make it to heaven, we're going to be surprised who is there and more surprised maybe who's not. So I think right, we have, we have exactly. to look at it that way. We can't assume anything. Anyway, we have to take another break here. And when we come back, I'd like to follow up a little more on uh, what, what the plans are now for, this, for, for Our Lady's Triangle here and all. You know. So I'm David Carollo sitting in today for Father Anthony on listener-supported Winds of Change. AM 750 WNDZ. New from EWTN Publishing, Living the Scriptures by Mother Angelica is a collection of some of Mother Angelica's best on-air presentations and extemporaneous meditations. You will discover that Scripture is not a complicated puzzle meant for pensive biblical scholars, but a divine guide for our everyday spiritual life. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume by Cardinal Fernando Filoni, the Grand Master of the Equestrian Order of the Holy Sepulchre of Jerusalem, reflects on the life, the beliefs, the values, and the choices for a knight and a dame, living the scriptures, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, available now at EWTNRC.com. Buy Catholic. Shop EWTNRC.com. The Winds of Change on AM 750, WNDZ, and on the World Wide Web at windsofchangeshow.com. St. Stanislaus Koska Academy. St. Stan's is an exceptional private elementary school in Chicago, serving preschool, age three and four, pre-kindergarten, kindergarten, and first grades. We incorporate Catholic values and rigorous academic, social-emotional learning, Chinese, Spanish, STEM, and more. 
providing our students with leadership and life skills to transform our world. St. Stanislaus Koska Academy is conveniently located one block north of Division on Noble, just off the Kennedy Expressway. To schedule your tour, visit ststanschicago.org. ststanschicago.org. Welcome back. David Carollo here, sitting in for Father Anthony on Winds of Change. And uh, just following up from our conversation, jo Father Joshua Caswell is here with me today, and we are, we're talking about the, um, Our Lady's Triangle, the beautiful, uh, the beautiful uh, uh, association of the parishes uh, in, the, in that area, and I, uh, along the Kennedy Expressway, and I just think that it was uh, it's, it's such a... Uh, you talk to people. I, I really was not familiar with that area before the Kennedy Expressway went in. I mean, it probably I was pretty young when it did. I, <clears throat> I do recall growing up in the South Side when... Uh, when the Dan Ryan and the Kennedy were all connected, uh, we had relatives in Skokie, and my father was just elated that we could leave our house on the south side, and we could make it up to Skokie to um, uh, to our, our my my aunt's house, my aunt and uncle's house in uh, in Skokie in 35 minutes. And my dad said, "Wow, this is wonderful. This to take over an hour because he had to go all the streets and that, you know." So, so it was, you know, for those who are. Younger, I mean, I'm, I'm, well, I'm not gonna say all I figured out. <laughs> I'm 66, so when I was, you know, I was, I was pretty young when it went in, but I do recall, yeah, but I do recall beforehand. So anyway, it is, but, but that area really does have so much. Um, it, it's, it, you know, we are a city of ethnicity, uh, and as our United States, I mean, that's who we are. We're, we're that melting pot, and, um, and I, I just hope that whole melting pot thing doesn't destroy the ethnicity. Oh yeah. Uh, for, for, for years, you know, the, obviously the cuisine is something that, that everybody has nostalgia for, I guess, if you grew up a certain way, you know, Polish, Italian, whatever, and uh, you'd, you'd go back to that. But, you know, they have to look at the roots. I mean, I look at my, my grandparents, and they were, you know, all four of my grandparents came from Italy. And, uh, well, I tell you, they had one commonality. And my father's family was northern Italian. My mother's family was southern Italian. They, a lot, they didn't have a lot in common in that regard, but they did have the parish. In which my parents eventually met through and you know, married, but um, and I think that that is is what it was. You know, they then they came to the country, and I like I say I, I really I really thank the Scalabrini fathers for their devotion uh, that they did for the Italian people, which is what I grew up with. And I see, you know, from my wife, who you know was very young when they came over, uh, being on the South Side. I remember the late Bishop Abramovich, how he was such a force for the Polish community. Uh, yeah, that, that, that was so important. Welcome them, but keep them in the faith because that's what really mattered. You know, absolutely. You know, and you know, I, I look at I look at the city, of course, downtown now, and I go down our, our area, and I I look at the building across the street from Holy Name Cathedral, which. Um, it keeps growing and growing. It's probably it's going to be at hundred mm -hmm. stories. I don't know exactly what it is. Incredible. And, and I'm looking at the, the at the cathedral getting dwarfed by this immense structure. You yes. Know? And um, and I, I think to myself, you know, gee, what a great hope for evangelization. I don't know, you know, see how many people are going to walk into church and want to want to hear the word of God. Let's hope so. So I think it, but it does go back to to praying. I think you know, like you know, the, the, the with the three parishes and the work you're doing. You know, what what do you see as uh, just the, your vision for for what will happen? You know, when when this consolidation is more completed and all. Well, first of all, I think that we are in a very exciting time of of history. We're in an exciting time in the cities in America because. We've already been through so much, and Peter Kreeft would often say that the only possible rebellion left is orthodoxy. You know, everyone can sleep around, everyone can drink beer, everyone can 
but to actually want to seek truth. And we've, we've noticed that more and more people in this area of Chicago are seeking something rooted in something authentic. You know, we call uh, St. John Cantus the craft beer of Catholic churches because people are looking for that something authentic or rooted, but it draws people. And I think that's happening at St. Stanislaus, it's happening at Holy Trinity. Now here's what's amazing is these three parishes, St. Stanislaus, Holy Trinity, St. John Cantus, they are all different, but they have a unity because of their mission. Their mission to proclaim the gospel, their mission to be faithful to Our Lady, their mission to be faithful to the magisterium of the church. And I think we are seeing that, that unity in the diversity. We have three languages in this, in this triangle. You have Spanish, you have Polish, you have English, and of course you have Latin. But there's this, this unity that happens because we share the mission. In fact, um, one thing that's immediately going to happen this year uh, in October, we're hoping that in October of this year, around the 13th, the miracle of the sun, we hope for another glorious procession between the three three parishes. This is actually the first time uh, I'm announcing this, but this is a procession between the three three parishes, going from St. John Cantus to Holy Trinity to St. Stanislaus. Surely we'll have several thousands, and we are also working with the World Apostle of Fatima, who is working to get the International Pilgrim Virgin Statue of Our Lady. Uh, so that's going to be an incredible thing. But I think it's going to show, because in that procession, it really is going to be like a, a, a sort of a prophetic sign of what God is doing there. We're going to say the rosary in English, we're going to say the rosary in Spanish, and we're going to say the rosary in Polish. And we're going to sing hymns in all those languages. And and yet we're going to be one, we're going to be one member, you know, mm-hmm. that we are part of the body of Christ. So um, I just think that God is doing something so wonderful. I really have hope that, you know, People, no matter where they are, they do see God. My favorite uh, verse of the Catechism, my favorite section is Catechism, uh, paragraph 27, which says, The desire for God is written on the human heart. The desire for God is written on the human heart. People long for Him. I think with a church like St. Stanislaus, open, wide open, and people come in, they feel embraced by, by the warmth of that sanctuary. There's something there, the sacrifices of the immigrants in those parishes, there's something that God is going to do that's going to bless that that area, and I think it'll be a real center of evangelization for the whole city. I have my own dreams. I've talked to Father Tony about this, but my hope is that in the in the future, when the canons regular are are able to be there in a more fuller way, we want to support Father Tony in any way we can. But my hope is that at some point we can begin to hear more and more confessions there. Imagine coming down the Kennedy Expressway and seeing a green light. Imagine seeing a green light on the church, on St. Stanislaus Koska Church, and that would indicate to you that a priest is sitting in the confession box, and you could pull off on division, and you could, you know, get into the church, and you could go to confession. So I would love to see it as Chicago's confessional. That's one of my my dreams. Keep the adoration going. Keep the confessions. The sacraments. People want the sacraments. These are the unending rivers of, of grace. You know, forget uh, programs and policies. Forget everything that we've been trying for years. It hasn't worked. Go back to the 2,000-year tradition of the church and use that to bring people in to their encounter with Jesus Christ. Yeah, and the sacraments. But you touched on that point, of course, it's scriptural, that you know, people are seeking God. Okay, We don't know it sometimes in many cases. And I had a great experience some years back. I, I spoke in the Czech Republic, and I was staying at a hotel in Prague, and I just got there, and I went to the desk, and I asked the, the woman, very nice woman at the desk, and I said, you know, 
where is the Church of the Infant Jesus? I want to go, because now that church had been closed for years under the communists, and I wanted to go and, and, and pay a visit over there. She got a smile on her face like you can't imagine, and she told me the story that she grew up in Prague, knew nothing about the church, okay? Because the churches were closed, you know, and, and she was, they had, they had no faith. And one day, somebody came, was staying at that hotel, and was asked the same way they wanted to go there. She knew nothing about it, so she looked it up. And then she read the history, and then she went in. She said she, she visits it several times a week now, okay? You know, people are seeking God. She didn't even know it. She didn't, and, and she says she's come back into the church, basically, from her visits to that beautiful church of the infant Jesus of Prague. And I was, wow. <laughs> and my one question is she gave me, and she had not already, but she pulled out everything, all the directions, turn here, go there, because she knew exactly, because she was a regular visitor. And I thought that was, that was very special. You know, uh, obviously absence makes the heart grow fonder, they say. I don't know if I agree with that. I'm a little concerned that this deprivation in 2020 due to the pandemic, um, not having access to the sacraments, I, you know, in some cases it's, I mean, we were at the Blue Army Shrine in New Jersey. We were just, we were just, we, we opened up all the, we followed the Cantus and Stan Casca model. We just opened up everything and kept going and just stayed within the law as much as we had to, but we, we didn't turn anybody away. We just, we wanted those, we had, we had all night vigils, we had everything going throughout. And I think, you know, that's, and that's the kind of thing, what, what's done at St. Stan's is so beautiful, what you do at St. John Cantius, what, you know, I think that's what, it, it's the devotions, people need this, okay, and needed it more than ever during a time like that. I don't know, I, I can't speak to the numbers of people coming back, I talked to some priests and bishops and they're a little disappointed that people have gotten a little too used to virtual masses and, you know, I don't, that's just not the I, way it's supposed you know, to be, I think you know? you're going to see, uh, I think you're going to see a dual thing happening here with COVID. COVID was the great separator where those people who believed in grace, they grew closer to God. Yeah. And those people who did not, those people for whom Catholicism was just a cultural thing that we did while well, we've done this, our grandmother did this, our dad did this, let's go to, go to church. It really didn't matter to them. They won't come back, unfortunately. But, but those who are faithful, they really grew in numbers. And I really believe that. And also those who are seeking. You know, we had stories of people during this COVID time who saw masses on live stream, both at St. Stanislaus and St. John's, they saw masses just by chance. Maybe they were atheists and they had this yeah. experience of being curious, learning more about it, and then it let curiosity led to conversion and that conversion led to commitment. And so yeah. I think that's, that's really possible. So this is how it always works in salvation history. The gospel is taken from those who, who, who don't, you know, who have it and given to those who don't have it. Because we have to have that that thirst for God, yeah. you know. It's the same thing when that happened in 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 Israel with the Jewish people. They didn't have, you know, they had the promise. They were the first chosen, but they didn't recognize. And I think that's something that's happening is American Catholicism, Chicago Catholicism. It really is. It really is a dead Catholicism unless it's transformed by grace. Yeah. It's it's not going to be. It's not going to be. But there is something happening underneath mm -hmm. where there's this, this new growth and the soil needs to be tilled. And I, I hate to say it, many people are not going to come back to church, but God is giving that opportunity. Oh, you know, when one vine on the when one branch in the vine is is starting to wither and die, there's already growth on an, on a new branch. Well, I, I always love when they went back to the translation, the more. I mean, the new translation, they call it, but it was really more of an accurate translation from the Latin, what, five, six, seven years ago, I recall how far back it was. And um, I love when I went back at the, at the Eucharist, you know, and the words of the centurion, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. I, you need only say the word, 
and my servant will be healed. Okay, and I, I, I mean, I think about that. All right, you know, it is the, uh, you know, this is the pagan. This is the man. You know, and and yes, the guy said, okay, well, these people who I gave the faith to, the gift, aren't interested in it. Okay, now I give it to this man. Okay, and he comes forward, and and, and with this incredible act, our Lord said, in all of in all of Israel, he never saw such faith. So it's really that's beautiful. Right. And I think right. that's what we have to do. So it's not, you know, we're not, we have to be careful that we are, in these days, we think we're the chosen people. Well, okay, we can lose it too. Exactly. Yeah. And we, and we, we have to always be in that, in that self-conversion mode of always seeking the gospel, of always seeking more. And yeah. um, I really think, I'm, my prayer is that Our Lady's Triangle, these three parishes, St. John's, St. Stanislaus, and Holy Trinity, that we work together not just for our own conversion, but a conversion that spreads into the neighborhood, into the whole city of Chicago. Because I know that that Mary loves Chicago. There's a special spirit there, and it's a, it's a city where it's always, you know, as goes Chicago, goes the the nation. And that's very true. We've had some of the best and the worst. You've had your Joe Shidlers, you've had your Solinskys, and yeah, you yeah, have, good point. Yeah, you have yeah, yeah. both. And and I think that that God is, but it's a battleground for a reason. But. Yeah. Um, you know, there is there is good good times ahead. Oh, I think so. Yeah. We have to take one more break here. When we come back, let's wrap it up and talk a little bit about it. And uh, again, this is David Carollo sitting in today for Father Anthony on listener-supported Winds of Change, AM 750 WNDZ. Here's some good Here's news. Here's some good news. We are pleased to announce that St. Stanislaus Koska is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week in answer to our Blessed Mother's call to open the doors. The Blessed Sacrament will again be exposed all day, every day, except when Masses or other services are being held. You are invited to come and pray anytime, day or night. For your safety, we ask that you practice social distancing and wear a mask. Hand sanitizer is available, and St. Stan's has increased cleaning and sanitizing of the church. And a security person will be on site. More information can be found at ststandschurch.org. That's ststandschurch.org. St. Stanislaus Koska is located two blocks north of Division on Noble, just off the Kennedy Expressway. We are the students of St. Stanislaus Koska Academy. Your children can join them for face-to-face classroom instruction. It's not too late to register for the 2021-2022 school year at St. Stan's. Seats are limited. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 773-278-4560. 773-278-4560. And you're listening to the Winds of Change. St. Stan's needs your help. We are forming a group of volunteers called St. Stan's Cares to help parish and school families in times of need. To join the group or learn more, please contact Brian at 312-343-3222 and we will plan an upcoming virtual meeting to discuss the details. Almsgiving is one of the three pillars of Lent. Volunteer with St. Stan's Cares as a means of almsgiving. Welcome back. David Carollo here sitting in today for Father Anthony on what listener-supported Winds of Change WNDZ AM 750. So I'm here with Father Father Joshua Caswell. We're we're talking a little more again about the the great things that are um, we see great things for for the 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 triangle the you know our ladies our ladies triangle of, of of the three parishes and I think 
and you know what a you know being here at St. Stan's, I just it's a, it, I don't know I just find it's just, it's like so foundational to the city of Chicago and and who we are. And uh, as Father said, you know many th- you know we are in times now where you know it is a great time to be alive. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, people take I love, your vitamins. Take your vitamins. You're darn right. Your spiritual vitamins. Because there's usually a bunch of them on, on these beads called a rosary. You know, but you're right. We have to. We have to do. We have to be prepared, and we have to have those spiritual vitamins. And those are those are given to us by prayer and 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 the sacraments. I mean, we have to be there. Um, you know what? And in no matter what we're called to. You know, yes, it's tough. It's getting tougher out there for those who are really going to stand up for the faith. But boy, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I think we have to be filled with the zeal. You know, I, I'm very, uh, you know, being being the you know the director of the Fatima Apostolate, the World Apostolate of Fatima. I, um, you know, the, the life of Sister Lucia, all the children surely, but the life of Sister Lucia is very special to me because the other two children had this tremendous mission for two and three years, and they offered up their innocent little lives for the most beautiful things. Sister Lucia, when Our Lady said to her, you know, she said to the three of them, Jacinta and Francisco will come to heaven soon, but you, Lucia, must stay here a while longer to make me known and loved. That while longer was 88 years, okay? And for those better part of almost nine centuries, or excuse me, nine decades, she brought about this devotion to the Immaculate Heart, and she lived it, and she was an example. And I looked to her, that beautiful book that we co-published with the sisters there, A Pathway Under the Gaze of Mary, is her biography, and it's about her life, you know, Sister Lucia's 50-some years in the Carmel in Coimbra, Portugal. I work with those sisters because we publish the books with them and uh, have a great relationship. Haven't been over there much because the COVID thing has kind of killed the travel pretty much or limited it. But um, I, I always find it a special place to go to that convent and say a prayer in there and realize that, that you know, here we are with the person who truly carried on the message of Fatima, who was given the later messages, you know, the, the, in Ponte Vedra in 1925 and in, and in, in 1929 to Spain, um, the last vision and, of course, the first Saturdays in 1925, a devotion and asking for the reparation and, and the conversion, or excuse me, and the consecration of Russia which took 55 years to happen. Those who say today, well, it never happened. Well, it happened, but it was very late. It was 55 years after the request. It was 1984, and, you know, let's be realistic. Russia had spread her errors by then and spread it, you know. So we need to pray. Is it for the conversion of Russia? Yeah. I say that for, for the conversion of America How about, and the conversion of China. Let's be real. They're the ones who have taken communism and really developed it more and very, some very brutal forms of communism. You know, what is communism? It's just anti-God. That's what it comes down to. I mean, the, the, the bad part and, you know, Mary, having, been, having married into a family that came from communist Poland, I've got insights to some of the things and, and what they would say. Um, the Poles held on to their church, held on to their faith, paid the price for it. Okay. Yeah. They truly, my mother-in-law often talks about having to go to Czechoslovakia to buy certain, you know, consumer goods because they were held from them because they kept their churches open. But you know something, uh, look at look at the dynamic. Look at Saint Pope John Paul II. I mean, he speaks for all of us. But but I mean, this is what hey, we got to stand up, and we all have to. And will we be called to 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 marginalization or martyrdom? Possibly, I don't know. Can't worry about it. I think we just have to because there's a joy in in you know doing what Our Lady's asked and what our Lord has asked forever to be beacons of the faith. That's right. If they call us, <clears throat> if they call us to it, they're going to give us the grace to carry it out. Always. Know? Yeah. We don't have to live in fear no. of being hung out to dry, and they're going to give us the grace necessary if martyrdom is our is our destiny, if persecution 
there's going to be a spiritual, a supernatural joy, a joy in carrying the cross, you know? Yes, exactly. I mean, and we're, you know, we, we look, look at the, look at the, was it the first 15 popes or martyrs? I don't know how mm -hmm. many it was. 33. Right? 30, first 33. Okay. I had a number one. <clears throat> Think about that. Okay. And, um, I guess the uh, you know the retirement benefits they don't have to worry about in those days in the church. That's right. <laughs> but but I mean but but look at the beauty of it. I mean they they truly they they understood, uh, you know, and they didn't understand. And they weren't they weren't people that look at Saint Peter. I mean think of his even his betrayal of Christ. You know, uh, you know. But then look what he became afterwards. And I think and I always find you know if uh, if anybody's traveled to the Holy Land to the Church of Saint Mary Magdalene on on the southern part of Lake Tiberias, the Sea of Galilee, or eastern side, I'm sorry, or, no, I'm sorry, west, I'm going to get the directions wrong. The, um, if you go in that church, you see something which, which it will shock you. And there is a, it has, on each one of the columns, they have the different apostles. As you go around, there's St. Peter, there's St. Matthew. And I went around the corner, and I looked at something, and my heart almost stopped, and it was Judas Iscariot on a, on a column. Okay, and then I looked around and understand what the architect had done there. You look at the St. Peter and St. Matthew and the others, and they have they were, they were gold light shining on them. And then you looked at Judas, and you saw this dark figure. Okay, you know, I mean, he was an apostle. Think about it. I mean, he you know he betrayed Christ. So did Peter. Peter repented. Judas despaired. And there's where you're at. We are you know we we really have to realize that we have we have the choice. God respects free will more than he respects anything else. I and mean, it truly does. And he will never, never allow you or never keep you, I should say, from, um, you know, from falling away if that's what you truly want. And uh, I, I always found that to be very, very strong. But, um, and that's really what it comes down to. We have, there's a contrast out there. It's always going to be our choice. But if we, if we get in the habit of making good choices, we will make those good choices through life almost certainly. You get in the habit of making bad choices, well, you know, you know, no one, no one knows the time, and I can say I said earlier in this, this time with all of the uh, end of the world mentality that everybody has out there. Throw it away, folks. It, it's not, it's not there. It's not what this is about. We're supposed to be joyful, and you know, and you know, and if we are living in the end times, well, okay, we're close to the end, and maybe we get to heaven sooner. I don't know, or, or I, I, we cannot, we cannot be lost in that kind of thing. I really believe, and I think we're very far from the end of the world. I think we have. I think there's going to be many things you have to see. I believe there'll be a conversion of Islam, a conversion of China. I think that'll all have to come before God turns that switch off. Just my opinion. I don't absolutely. know. Father, what do you no, think no. of that? Yeah, I don't know. But, uh, I, you're absolutely right how God never violates our free will. No. No, no. he never. He will always uh, try to coax us. He will do anything he can to get us to heaven, but he's not going to violate your free will. You have to, you have to choose. Mm -hmm. And I think God's offering that choice to you every single day. You can say you can be faithful to your vows of your baptism. You can be faithful to that every day. You can say yes. And that's all Mary wants to do. She just wants to give you the opportunity to say yes again. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when we do it by promoting the message of Fatima in our apostolate, if you come to our website, bluearmy.com, there's many, many resources. We have many, you know, I mean, our blogs, our, we have a lot of issues we put out. Um, our Voice of Fatima, our First Saturday Bulletin, our Soul Magazine, which has been published since 1950. Uh, these are just resources. You know, sign that pledge. That was the pledge that Sister Lucia worked with our founder in 1947. To bring people to holiness, okay, to pray the rosary, to live according. I mean, to do nothing more than you're really required to do, or at least asked to do, you know.
So anyway, we are uh, we're very honored to be. I'm very happy to be with you today, uh, Father Joshua. Thank you for being here. It's and, a joy. Uh, yes, and, and and God bless you all. And um, uh, again, BlueArmy.com for more information. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> 